Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you come back for the next episode covering the points of this conversation. And follow the podcast on social media by finding at Prestigious Pod. Follow me, Mr. Kent, at Mr. Chris R. Kent. Follow me, Chris Bean, at Chris Bean Official. Join our Discord for exclusive content and personal interactions. And if you'd like to be coached on how to live a more prestigious life, you can reach out to me, Chris Bean, on one of my social media platforms or by emailing the podcast directly at prestigiousinitiative at gmail.com. Lastly, sign up for our newsletter either through social media or on our website. This is the Prestigious Initiative. Welcome. I'm Chris Bean, and here with me is Chris Kent. Hello, Mr. Kent. Hello, sir. Today, we have a remarkable guest joining us. Alan Lazarus is a business coach, a consultant, a trainer, a speaker. Alan, you know, it's, it's a fantastic to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, the production value that you guys have got going on right now excites me, and uh, I'm excited to, to share some insights. Very good. You know, Alan, can you start by sharing your journey and, and uh, how your personal experiences have, have helped to shape your mission to, to help others? So uh, the, the first thing that I, I want to say is, you know, it's not just the message, it's the messenger. And I think growing up, you know, now I'm 35, even though I still look 15, if, if you're watching the video, uh, <laughs> hoping 36 will be when I hit puberty. But uh, <laughs> I, growing up, I was always looking for a male role model. And now in hindsight, looking back, a lot of the people that I looked up to really on the character level didn't really earn that. And so I just want to, I want to say, I, I appreciate the question. And I think the purpose of the question is you got to know who you're learning from. It's important to know who you're learning from. So uh, when I was two years old, uh, I was definitely born into to some adversity. So, so my father passed away uh, in a car accident when I was two. He was 28 at the time. And I had an older sister who was six and I had, I had my mother and she was a stay at home mom. And so she didn't really know what she was going to do. She was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was on the road in sales, and uh, she didn't know what she was going to do after that. And so I ended up with a stepfather. Uh, that's actually why my last name is Lazarus. So I'm the only non-Greek Lazarus, from my understanding. Um, I'm Irish and German and, and Polish, and uh, my last name's Lazarus, which a lot of people get confused by. It's actually my stepfather's last name. So my real last name is actually McCorkle, Helen McCorkle. And uh, I was given the choice to take my stepfather's last name to sort of try to be a family unit when I was around seven. So from three to 14, um, I had a stepfather. And then at 14, he left. And so this was back in kind of the, the, the 90s slash early 2000s. And uh, the 90s were, were a boom time for sure, particularly in America, but, but globally, dot-com bubble type of stuff. And so we did really well. Uh, you know, my stepdad had a, a yacht and we had apartment buildings and we had a home, you know, on a, on a lake and we were doing very well financially. So from the outside in, we looked really well uh, from the inside out, definitely not, you know, uh, traumas that weren't dealt with my father's death, you know, trying to pretend we're, you know, sort of a family unit when we're really not. And, and we kind of didn't talk to my, my birth father's side for that whole time. And so when my stepfather left, uh, he took his family with him. Uh, he got the yacht and the apartment buildings. We got the house and the dog. My sister had moved out at that point. So by 14 years old, and I didn't know any of this then, I had no idea what was going on really in hindsight. But uh, now I reflect back on this and I realize that I kind of lost in a way three families by the time I'm 14 years old. 
my birth father's family, I didn't really speak to much because um, we were kind of trying to be a family unit with my stepfather. And then my stepdad, obviously, he took his family with him. Haven't seen any of them since, quite frankly. And and then my mom got in a fight with her sister and they had a falling out. And, and that sort of family kind of ostracized us a bit. Uh, and again, at the time, I didn't know what the heck was going on, but it was definitely tough times. And not only that, but we went from like upper middle class and the economy crashed dot com bubble. And then on top of that, my mom didn't have an income or at least a strong income. She was a lunch lady at a a, a tech school, uh, high school. And so I went from like, you know, fairly well off financially to completely broke. I don't even know how I'm going to go to college. And so my dream was to go to Worcester Polytechnic Institute. It's kind of like a mini MIT. It's it's in Worcester, Massachusetts. And um, that was my dream. My uncle Merle was the track and field coach there. And I wanted to to go there. Uh, I was good at math. I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to be wealthy one day. And uh, so I didn't know how I was going to go to school because we didn't have any money. And so what I did was I, I did everything I could to get as much financial aid as possible and as many scholarships as possible. So I went for what's called the President's Award. And the President's Award is essentially you have to get a 95 or above GPA. Uh, so you have to get straight A's, essentially, every report card all through high school. And I did. I did do that. I got 189 in honors English. Fortunately, my GPA was weighted based on honors classes and AP classes. And so I got that award. I got scholarships and financial aid. And I did get to go to my school, uh, WPI. Got my computer engineering degree. Uh, stayed for my MBA, did a lot of soul searching and job hopping at this point. This is my early twenties and I'm trying to figure out who I am and who I'm going to be and all that. And so, uh, then I'm in corporate making really, really strong money, having achieved really the dream that I thought that I wanted, which was six figures out of college. So went from 65 to 85, 85 to 125, or 85 to 105, 105 to 125, 125 to 185 eventually. So at this point now, uh, with a lot of stuff left out, obviously, I'm 26 years old. I'm working for a company called Cognex. At this point, I've jumped around to a bunch of different tech companies. I, I worked in LA for a time, you know, drove across the country, that kind of thing. But I'm at Cognex. I'm an outside sales engineer, and I'm making nearly $200,000 a year, and I'm on the road all the time. I'm up in New Hampshire with my little cousin, and it was that really bad winter in 2016 when the snow banks were covering the signs. It was an awful tons of snow winter. I'm at an intersection going to TGI Fridays, looking down at the GPS. I look up, I'm on the wrong side of the road. And what I thought was a Mack truck was in front of me, and I'm talking right in front of me, 10 feet, maybe. And so I thought it was a Mack truck. My brain sized this up. And I was, there's no way, there's no chance we live through this. This is it. That's the end. Um, fortunately, I was driving a 2004 Volkswagen Passat. I used to call this car the tank. It was a German engineered steel trap of a car and the airbags did deploy. So we were okay. He hurt his knee on the airbag. I hurt my face in the airbag. We were a little banged up, but like, okay. And now this is why this was a turning point in my life. Big turning point, biggest a lot of things shape us, but this was the biggest turning point. So uh, I've seen pictures of my father's car. My father died in a car accident when he was 28 years old. And 
I'm 26 at the time, and my car doesn't look very different in those photos. So while I'm physically okay, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, I am absolutely shooketh. This was my you know, quarter-life crisis, uh, existential, questioning my, the meaning of life, who I am as a man, why I'm here, did I answer my calling, am I proud of who I am, all the regrets of all my poor choices, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, we talk a lot about PTSD, and I definitely had some claustrophobic, kept getting pulled over because I was on the wrong side of the road, like hugging the corner of the road because double yellow lines scared me. Uh, fortunately, the the police officers were always very kind to me when I told them I was in a tough car accident. But what we don't talk about enough is post traumatic growth. And so, so this is kind of the quote that I live by now, which is uh, I have this true north star on my neck that I, reminds me of that car accident. And I think of this quote, which is the stars are always there during the day, but you don't always see them until you're in the dark. And I was in the dark emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. You know, it definitely could have been the end for me. Whereas my little cousin was 17 and he was tweeting about it. He didn't, he was still invincible and that kind of thing. Whereas for me, it was like, no, 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 you don't understand what just happened. That could have been the end of life as we know it. Cause that's what happened to my dad. And so I saw two stars that I had never seen before. Uh, one of them was Tony Robbins, Ted talk, regardless of what you think of Tony, in my opinion, best Ted talk ever created. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's called why we do what we do. You can YouTube it. More importantly, I read a book, go figure, called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by a woman named Bronnie Ware. Have you guys heard of that book? I have not. I have not. But that was one of the, one of the uh, questions I was going to ask you about. So by all means, go, go right into it. Perfect. Perfect. I'm giving you the really long version, so I apologize for that. That's fine. So, so I have these flashcards that are all tattered up. I used to carry them in my pocket everywhere, and um, I always carry them with me. And this, this one is The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. It's actually ripped in half because <laughs> it's from way back then, but it's all tattered. And it has, Bronnie Ware is a woman, I've actually since interviewed her, which is really cool, because at the time she was just a hero of mine. But uh, she wrote this book because she worked in hospice with the terminally ill for eight years, taking care of people who were you know, terminally ill. And she realized that they all have the same regrets. Not all of them, but many of them had the same regrets. She saw these common, I wish, I wish, I wish. And so she wrote a book about it. It's amazing. It's a really good concept and really good book. And the number one regret of the dying is I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. And that's the definition of what my first 26 years was, which is whether it was trying to get approval from my stepdad or approval from my mom or approval from society or what, what an American male is supposed to be. Um, and so, so I was successful from the outside in, but deeply unfulfilled from the inside out. And again, this is all in hindsight. I didn't really get this before. And now it's nine years later, and I, I kind of get what was happening now. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and and now I, I really, after twenty six, I really did flip the script. It's when I found personal growth. It's when I found personal development. It's when I no longer chased external success at the expense of my fulfillment, and at the expense of my core values. And I just flipped the script and I went from the inside out instead of the outside in. And so now I, I work on myself very, very consistently. I, I'm, I would say I'm obsessed with personal development is probably an understatement and uh, fitness as well. And now I would say success is a byproduct of fulfillment and not the other way around. Whereas before I was chasing achievements, thinking it's going to fulfill me. 
And now I I focus on fulfillment and then achievements can kind of come as a byproduct of that. Well, Alan, what a what an incredible journey uh, you have been on and the opportunity that you have created for yourself to shape and mold from that uh, that instance that happened to you into the type of person that you are now speaks volumes on your dedication to personal development in, in you know in that regard. So, good job on that. Um, and, and you know, as I as I understand, you actually specialize in in peak performance. You know, can you can you share with with me what peak performance means and perhaps some strategies or habits that uh, it, that, that uh, individuals could use to help to reach their peak potential? Yeah, so I think peak performance. There's some cool stuff underneath that. So my desktop background is actually I did it in Canva, and it's got a north star at the top of a mountain. And the mountain's sort of translucent, and I've got, you know, mission statement, core values kind of written within the mountain. And so peak performance, I think it's important to understand what it actually means rather than some sort of catchy phrase, because I think that's kind of what a peak, I'm a peak performance coach. It's, it sounds a little fortune cookie-esque, when in reality, what it really means is becoming all you can be, doing all you can with all you have, not just once, but consistently over time. And so I think of micro and macro. So micro means, you know, in this moment, am I performing at my best? Am I performing optimally? Am I doing my best at my current skill level? And then on the macro is, can I sustain it? You know, uh, am I getting better over time? Am I bettering my best? Because, I, you know, I think everyone tries to, there's like level one is do enough to not get fired proverbially, metaphorically. Level two is do your best. Level three is reflect on that best and then better your best. And, and, and to continue doing that over, over time. So for example, anyone watching or listening to this, if this is intriguing and inspiring and fascinating and engaging, it's not because I'm some natural born awesome speaker. Definitely not. In fact, uh, I always joke. I say, I think as far as speakers go, I think I'm a, a decent communicator. As far as computer engineers go, I think I'm an excellent communicator because <laughs> uh, uh, we can get into why that is later if you want. But uh, the point is, is the only reason why this is even remotely good is because of the thousands of times I've done it before. And I know that that sounds like, oh, like we all know that we we lose sight of it. We do. We lose sight of it. And so peak performance to me is, are you doing your best right now? And most importantly, are you reflecting on that best to get even better consistently over the long term? And when you do that in a in an area that you're passionate and obsessed about, not passionate in sort of a fleeting flash in the pan way, but really passionate and obsessed uh, toward a purpose. I mean, that's peak performance in a nutshell. Well, and so what I what I find is very interesting on that is, and, and most people miss is that macro part where you talked about, is this sustainable? Because people will go all in, you know, it's, of course, right now we're recording this, it's early January. We're, we're full on in the, the New Year's resolution type of phase of, of, of the year, essentially, and everybody's all in on whatever it is that they want to do. And they'll do that for, you know, a week or two or whatever. By this point, maybe they've already, that's already, uh, you know, been worked out of them. But 
what that is is a lack of of time to reflect and see if it is sustainable moving forward because you want to uh, find where that limit is, find where that point is of, of not being sustainable and, and be walk that line. And some days maybe you're, you're a little bit further away, some days you're a little bit over because of the uh, daily allowances that you have for your energy or whatever. But being able to know where that line is for yourself and, and across time iterate and change and improve and hopefully bump that line further back, but without that concept without that thought process lots of times people will get all in and they'll get burned out in two or three weeks and okay i'm done that's not for me and that will you know obviously crush where their dreams are and the type of person who they could or should be it 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 also it's so so well articulated and and it crushes your self-esteem and it crushes your self-worth and and it it, it's detrimental to your self-belief you stop believing in your own abilities deep down and then you develop an ego to compensate. And I've been guilty of that. Prior to the car accident, I it's sort of the phoenix burning down. Like the idea I had of myself burnt down and I was free to build from the truth. Whereas before I was drinking too much too often, I was surrounded by BS. I had a beautiful girlfriend and tons of money, but it was so obvious in hindsight that I was so unhappy. Just just wildly unhappy, definitely insecure, um, emotionally immature for sure. And again, of course, in comparison to now, but I think that's kind of what happens is is you set out these these big goals because we're taught to shoot for the moon and and aim for the stars or you'll land amongst the stars or whatever. It, it, we don't set humble goals. And then we crush our self-esteem, and then we have to make up for that with fake confidence. And then that fake confidence starts to become who we think we are, and that's there's your persona. And then you live a life based on more, more talk than walk. And I think that a lot of us are guilty of that. I definitely was. And, and it's never fulfilling. I think that's the real thing. Is it's just not fulfilling. You know, No matter how awesome your Instagram posts are, you're just, it's never going to fulfill you. Uh, trust me, I know. Cause you know, I had a little bit of, you know, good fitness competition, Instagram, you know, follower thing going. And it's just, you just learn over time as you get older that it's the tried and true fundamentals. It's the, it's the keeping the small daily promises you make to yourself. It's the showing up, giving it your all. It's the fundamental virtues that we all are taught as kids. We just think it must be different. It must not be that, you know, uh, I always talk about my grandpa, his, his parents died when he was 15 years old. He grew up during the Great Depression. Uh, he had to take care of his little sister. He had to work while putting himself through night school at also WPI, my alma mater. And he worked six days a week, every week. No entitlement, just, and over time, he built a life and a family and a legacy. And, and, that's not sexy, but it is what it really takes. And I think that in the 21st century, with all of this online hoopla, where everyone's pretending their life's better than it is, um, you can get caught up in all that. And I definitely did. And I, I'm all for big goals and dreams long term. But when it comes to like what you're going to accomplish this week, focus on the 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 bricks that are going to build the foundation and then build the... That's why I like the pyramid analogy a lot because usually the foundation erodes out from under us 
of the simple fundamentals like getting good sleep. Uh, and if you really want to talk peak performance, that's that's what I'm going to talk about, which is there is no like go crush it. Meh. it there's none of that. It really just comes down to like, do you get good sleep daily? Uh, you know, do you hydrate regularly? You know, I've got my water bottle with me. Do you are you honest with yourself and with your partner, your intimate partner? Like it's these little things that we we think there must be more, there must be some hack or some trick or some, and all of that stuff is just, in my opinion, complete nonsense. Well, and you know, I think that moves right into productivity, and 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 of course, productivity is is such a, a crucial aspect of personal and and professional growth. And you know, I guess how can how can our listeners enhance their productivity and manage their time effectively? Especially, you know, in a world filled with distractions and, you know, a world filled of, of uh, extra influences, we want to show up to the best version of ourselves on social media and all those things, taking all that into account. How can we, how can we better do that? Uh, so the first thing is, I think, understanding the, I call them the three human resources. And there's really only three when you, when you really boil it down. And I've, I've contemplated this a lot and I, I, I want your listeners to know that I'm going to say this, not bragging. I'm going to say this. So, you know, I'm not just a talking head. Like this is not just my opinion. So I just surpassed my 5,000th hour long coaching session with individuals all over the world, different backgrounds, different industries, different countries, everywhere from 18 years old to 63 years old. I, I've got, I'm very blessed at this stage in the beginning. I just started out like anyone else trying to coach for free. But now at this stage, I've got a large base, a large lab of a lot of people where I'm all helping them achieve their goals and dreams and, and be fulfilled ultimately, because that's really what they need versus what they want. People come to you, they say, well, I want this. And then you say, well, you eventually realize, well, what you really want is actually this. And the way that, that you thought you were going to get that is actually different. So in coaching, in many ways, it's kind of like just redesigning the GPS. The destination needs to change. The path needs to change. You know, uh, where you think you are, self-awareness is actually different than where you really are. So that's a side tangent. But to answer your original question about productivity, there's three resources that really matter. The first one is time. Uh, the second one is effort. And the third one is money. And these are really the three I look at. So, you know, I coach my business partner, Kevin. You guys had him on the show. Uh, hopefully I'm doing better than he did. I'm kidding. Uh, but anyways, so <laughs> we're playful with it. But uh, so... I coach him and, and he coaches me. We, we're always looking like, where, where are we going to put our time in 2024? Where are we going to put our effort? And where are we going to invest our money? You know, which team member needs a raise and why? And, and, and so, so looking at those three things, I think it's huge. Uh, so where are you investing your time? So, so do you use a calendar? If not, why not? I do an analysis at the end of every year, honestly, at the end of every quarter. And I've started to try to do it at the end of every month, although I'm definitely not consistent at that. And I try to analyze where I'm putting my time. And so I have this uh, G3 target is what I call it. It's it's like a, a genius zone. Uh, and it for those of you on audio, it's just a simple target like the like the company target store. And the the center of it is LP, which is lead people. The second layer is DS, design systems. And the third layer is TM, which is track metrics. So what we do at NLU, we have a 20-person team. Um, it was actually 21 as of yesterday, but I got a message from a team member who's leaving. Not a bad leave, but she's going to answer her calling a different way. But so 20-person team, and 
I, I, my goal, my job as a leader is to uh, make sure everyone's focused on the most valuable uses of their time and effort. And when you do that, the money becomes a byproduct. And then what you do with that money is also critical, right? If I buy some fancy car when I can't afford it, I'm going to expand beyond my capabilities. And then the company is going to go bankrupt because I you know, needed to fuel my own ego versus actually pay critical team members, right? So that, that happens to companies. But lead people design systems track metrics. For me, that's my G3 target. And the lead people one is where I spend 80% of my time. So I spend 80% of my time on leading people. Uh, 15% of my time I'm supposed to be spending on designing systems, although I don't think that's true. And then 5% of my time on tracking metrics, where it's probably more like 15% on tracking metrics. Um, but I know what we made last quarter. I know what we made last month. I know what we're projected for this quarter, that kind of thing. You got to know your numbers, especially if you're a business owner. But productivity is those three things. Where are you investing your time? Where are you investing your effort? Where are you investing your money? And then as you get older and older and older and wiser and wiser and wiser, you can reflect on the previous years, rewatch the movie of your own life and just look at your regrets. Ooh, definitely made put too much time and effort into that person who had a huge ego in hindsight and wasn't humble and didn't have work ethic. And you just eat the humble pie <laughs> all the time of most people want to look at where they're great because it makes us feel good. I try to flip that script and look at where I sucked uh, so that I can learn from it. And I think that this weird duality happens in life where when you when you look at where you suck, you end up great versus if you look at where you're great, you're not going to improve. And then you end up having to have greatness built on facade and ego and status and social media rather than actual uh, merit. Well, you know, so so the interesting thing for that is as far as focusing on on where you, you need to improve versus where you already are excelling is if you only focus on where you excel, there's no chance for further growth because you're in your mind, you're already there. But if you focus on the areas that you need to improve on, then growth mindset is 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 abundant because that's where your focus is as long as you can come at it with a mindset for growth, and not to, uh, you know, woe is me kind of kind of uh, mentality. But if you look at the areas where you need to improve, and then do work to improve those areas, then you will be on a growth mindset, as opposed to only looking at the successes and living in that life. In that in that mindset, you're already there, there's no growth to happen, because you've already done all the things despite that not necessarily being true. I wrote on my board recently, because I had a uh, got some tough feedback in my intimate relationship, I thought we were 10 out of 10. And February, uh, no, December was really usually December I thought was like crickets because everyone's during the holidays. And for me, my calendar was full out all through December. So I'm, I'm grateful for the demand, but my intimate relationship was taking a hit because I wasn't as available. I, I was present, but I wasn't emotionally present. And so, you know, she tried to tell me in, in several different ways and I wasn't hearing it apparently in hindsight. And then, um, she gave me some tough feedback. One of the nights, it wasn't negative. She wasn't unkind about this, but she felt disconnected. And I wrote this on my whiteboard so that I remember, stay humble or get humbled. Because I wasn't really super humble in hindsight when I was thinking my relationship was a 10 out of 10, when in reality it was actually getting worse. Now, it wasn't noticeably worse. No one else would know. No one, I mean, Emilia and I are wonderful. We have a magnificent relationship, almost to the point where sometimes I don't like talking about it because it's so good. I think that what what it comes down to to your point is when you look at when you look for humble pie 
as long as it's not self-deprecating to your point or I'm a victim or, you know, if you have self-belief and that's a big caveat, if you don't have self-belief, if you're looking at all your flaws all the time, you're, you're basically just going to drown in it. So be careful. But if you do have self-belief and you do have a growth mindset, I think it's very valuable to constantly take an objective look at yourself. I call it a uh, getting naked in front of the mirror. So, so we have this full uh, mirror in our bedroom and, and, I try to look at the truth fitness-wise every single day um, because there were times in my life where I just didn't want to look. You just walk right past the mirror. You don't look. You don't really like yourself. You know you're letting it ride. You know, you know you're know you not taking good care of yourself. You know you're not eating right. You know you're not going to the gym, but you try to avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. And we all have things we're avoiding, by the way. I've coached a lot of people. Everyone's avoiding something, FYI. But eventually, you're going to eat that humble pie, you know? Eventually, you're going to have to pay your taxes. Eventually, you're going to have to, you know, have that tough conversation. Eventually, you're going to face whatever that thing is. Um, so, if you eat humble pie along the way, you're much better off, and you grow more, rather than getting hit in the head with a brick uh, out of nowhere. Which, again, this is a duality. Duality is holding two seemingly opposing ideas in your consciousness simultaneously, which I think is a it's the most important skill. You you have to be able to do that. It's like, well, uh, the best way to explain duality is is uh, the microwave. Um, it's called an optimal stopping problem. It's it's Goldilocks. So too hot, too cold. Everything in life. It's like work really hard, but not so hard that you burn out. Um, you know, work smart, not hard. Okay, well, wait, I have to work hard in order to get frustrated, in order to work smart and innovate. Everything is a duality. Everything is an optimal stopping problem. So we call it drive to five. You know, if if I if I already work hard, then what I need is actually R and R. If you're lazy, you need work work ethic, right? So every, advice for everyone needs to be sort of catered. But anyways, I digress. If you stay humble, if you look for humble pie, you will be far better off, and you will grow more. To your point, um, but the caveat to that is self belief. If you don't have good, high self-belief, it can be very detrimental to constantly look at the areas where you're inadequate. And I think that that's a really important caveat. Yeah. And, and yeah, thanks for, thanks for that addition. Um, I had not thought about that, that self-positive belief, uh, you know, part of that equation previously. Um, you know, so, so shifting gears a little bit here. You, another area that you talk about is organizational design, which of course mm. is wildly fascinating. You know how can how can businesses and individuals optimize their organizational structures for maximum efficiency and success? Can you share some some insights on this? Definitely. So, the first thing to understand is what the word optimize actually means. We have an app called Optimal, and it's it's really just a habit tracking app. It's built on Google Sheets and Glide app. Uh, but the reason we called it optimal is is the idea of the optimal stopping problem, uh, which I just alluded to with duality and optimal stopping. Optimal stopping is you put in your nachos, and you know two minutes the the cheese is burnt and it's gross. You know only only thirty seconds and the cheese is still not melted. So everything's an optimal stopping problem. So we all kind of know. Uh, do you need more work ethic or do you need R and R? It's some of us are like, yeah, I'm going to burn out if I keep this up. I really need to dial it back. Like me in December, for sure. Like 
take a minute, will you? So that your intimate relationship doesn't burn down. Like you, you can't just go, 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 go six days a week, every week. But for some people, they're, they're overly, you know, R and Ring, relaxing too much and they need to really dial it up if they want to have a great life. So optimization and organizational design, they're, they're very similar to me. They're the same thing, actually, uh, in many regards. So the first thing to understand about organizational design is what is optimal. And in order to understand what's optimal, you have to know what optimal means. Uh, picture a, a graph XY and, and there's an upside down sort of horseshoe. The max, we all remember the max and the min. Optimal means too much and you're actually hurting performance. Too little and you're also hurting performance. So the max is in the, the center, the drive to five. And we all have a different center. And here's the problem. The center point moves, right? What was optimal for me six years ago in business, you know, the optimal use of my time six years ago in business was coach listeners for free. That is no longer the way for me when I have no time available, right? So the optimal stopping problem moves to get back to org structure. Org structure is, in, a, in theory, and I'll bring practice down, in theory, it's how do you get individuals, teams aligned with business goals? How do you get everyone rowing in the same direction at the same rate uh, in tandem and in harmony? I think harmony is a great word. So we have a 20-person team. We don't have any headquarters. We're not like showing up at a building. It's global. We've got Spain, Philippines, Canada. We've got people all over the world. And how do we optimally organize our business so that we can all harmonize and achieve our individual team and business goals. And if you don't have an org structure that supports that, you're not going to be able to scale. And so the the five words that I look at in business when I coach business owners is, number one is longevity. Um, I don't coach a lot of business owners who want to like quick hit and then sell their business in two years. That's not really my thing. So longevity, meaning, simple question, you know, what was true about me 10 years ago that's going to be true 10 years from now? If you're designing your business because Clubhouse is big right now, you're just in so much trouble. So so uh, to me, tried and true fundamentals, I already talked about that. So longevity, how long do you intend on doing this? By the way, if you hate what you're doing, I got asked on a podcast the other day, you know, what would you do if I took away all your money, all your resources, all of your network, gave you 500 bucks, a laptop and an internet connection and dropped you in the middle of a city, what would you do? And I said, honestly, I'd do exactly what I did, but way better. <laughs> um, and I'd still eventually become what I am now because I want, and in 10 years from today, I'm going to be doing this, but at an amplified version. Yeah, different things will change, right? I was a fitness coach and then I was a mindset coach and then I was a peak performance coach and then I was a um, life coach. I don't think I was a life coach, but anyways, now I'm a business coach and business consultant for a time. And now I'm a business coach, not a consultant. And all this stuff. So, so I think the nuances will change, but uh, hopefully you you build a business on rock solid core values, rock solid core beliefs. Uh, you know who you're helping and why. And assuming that's okay, and assuming that's good, the the skeleton, so to speak, is the business org structure. So I can give you some practical tips that I use for my business, just so this isn't all esoteric craziness. So, for example, we have 23 departments. Uh, one of them is a charity foundation called the Next Level Hope Foundation, and 22 are different departments, uh, and and they're layered. So so when I say funnel, I don't want people thinking of click funnel or any of that crap. I mean org structure. So so 
social media is the top of our funnel. So Kevin's Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, my Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So it's organic reach. And then the next layer is the podcast. So so if you find us on social media and you're intrigued, you can listen to the show. And then when you listen to the show, uh, we have you know all these other layers. We have a private Facebook group and we have a book club that you can join for free. We have monthly meetups. Uh, we have an app that's half free and also paid if you want to get more habits. And then and then we keep going. And we've also got a podcast production company. We've got a social media agency. We've got so the top is B2C, business to consumer. The 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 middle is kind of half B2C, half B2B, business to consumer slash business to business. And then the bottom tends to be mostly business to business. So I coach business owners, he coach podcasters, uh, both of which kind of want to be eventual business owners. But some people want to listen to NLU, Next Level University, just to learn. And that's great. We, we, we call them listeners, learners, uh, listeners, longers, and business owners. So the listeners want to learn from us. The longers want to be like us. They want to build their own community, just like we have. And then the business owners want to build a real business and they want to make real money and they want to actually sustain it. And so again, I digress back to the first word, longevity. Uh, the first word I always look at is longevity. How long are you in this? Are you here for a quick fix? Um, so for example, YouTube, it, you're taking this very seriously. The moment I showed up, it was like, nice. This is not, you guys didn't just start this because of COVID and, and want, it, want it to fizzle out in a year. I can just tell there's a, there's a certain energy. There's a certain standard. Appreciate it. Okay, number two. <laughs> oh my God. That was only number one. We're in trouble. Okay, number number two, sustainability. We talked about this already with habits. You can't go to the gym for three hours a day. Unless you're a professional athlete, do not try to do that. You're going to crush your self-esteem. It's not sustainable. Trust me, I've tried. It's not sustainable. So my girlfriend and I are on um, 687 days. Um, I don't even like to talk about it at this stage because it just doesn't seem to resonate with people. But... Sounds like I'm bragging. 687 days in a row of exercise. But here's the key. It's only a half an hour. Walking counts. Soccer counts. Basketball counts. Jogging counts. Walking counts. Walking my dog counts. Weight training counts. So everything counts. It's only a half an hour. If it was three hours, it's impossible. Okay, so sustainability is number two. So when you're building an org structure, you need to think long-term. And you need to create systems that are sustainable. Third word is consistency. Uh, my team, we all track habits. And we all have these bi-weekly reports that the whole team sees. And it's just some of the habits for business. Some of the habits are for personal. And uh, it's holistic health, wealth, and love. And then the fourth word is improvement. So I talked about bettering your best. I want my whole team to look back at them a few years ago and go, whoa. I mean, when Kevin and I look back to our first couple episodes, it is just alarming how bad we were. It's, we, we were really bad, honestly. We were not good. But of course we're going to think that because we're 1,600 episodes in now and we've gotten a little bit better each time. Just a little bit better each time. And so I won't go crazy with the numbers on this, but this is one of my favorite things in the world. If you take, pull up a financial calculator, you can Google this, and you put a dollar in, okay? Put a dollar in, and grow that dollar by 0.1% per day, okay? 
0.1% per day, which is one-tenth of 1%. And I've asked a lot of people this in my coaching. Do you believe that you can get 0.1% better, meaning one-tenth of 1% better per day? And everyone goes, yes. Awesome. Okay, cool. That means you get on the yoga mat for 10 minutes, you get 0.1% more flexible. Totally doable, right? Okay. If you put 3,650 days, that's a decade. I'm an engineering mind, so forgive me. I do think long-term. I think in numbers. I always have, right? So 3,650 days is a decade. Now, imagine how awesome you two are right now. Now, imagine 38 times better, 38 times faster, 38 times smarter, 38 times more capable in business, 38 times more aware, 38 times better speakers. 38 times, if you put a dollar in a financial calculator and you grow it by 0.1% per day for a decade, you get 38.4 times better. 38.4 dollars. Okay? Now, here's the crazy thing. This is the compound effect. It's crazy. If you do it for another decade, it's 1,444 times better. 38 times 38. Now, this is the scary part. Please don't hate me for this part. So everyone imagine themselves right now, 20 years from now. And each day you just got a little bit better, 0.1%. Okay? You could be 1,444 times better. Wealthier, smarter, healthier. Okay? It's possible. It's mathematically possible. Now, here's the scary part. If you take weekends off, I did the numbers. Okay, so there's 52 weeks in a year times five days a week. So you take weekends off, 260. 260 times 10 for a decade is 2,600. 2,600, when you put the dollar in, only comes to $13. Yeah. And so 13 times 13, if you do it for another decade, is alarmingly less than 1,444 times better. And so older people know this because they see certain people they grew up with or went to high school with, and they're like, how did you get so wealthy? How did you get so jacked? How did you end up so successful? It's just the little things compounded over the long term. I always joke, I say, young people have super low self-worth. They're just not worth that much in the economy, in the economy, right? Everyone think back to when you were in high school. I made $7.25 an hour. Honestly, I don't think I was worth that much more. I'm not trying to be, you know, modest here. I genuinely don't think I was worth that much more. I was an idiot, right? I was 16 years old. So young people, I coach one young person, they have low self-worth because they don't get it. They don't know why they're not worthy. They don't know why they don't have nice cars and, and big houses. And, and then there's certain people that are like famous already at 16, like Justin Bieber. And look what that did to him. He got all messed up. So my point is improvement. So longevity, sustainability, consistency. Those first are important. Those first three. And then improvement, number four. All right, last one. Scalability. This one's new for me because I'm at a place now where I just cannot sustain what I'm doing without scale. And scalability is kind of like, it's a good example of scalability. Okay, so I coach, uh, I think right now, 20 people, uh, not including the 20 team members. And we have a group coaching program too, but I just can't 
spread myself any more thin based on what I just told you about my relationship. And, but now I'm coaching coaches. I'm coaching coaches now, actually later today, as a matter of fact, in 10 minutes, and they are going to coach people in the same way uh, that NLU, that I traditionally have done it. And so that's scalable. So I have Amy, Lizzie, and Jerry Ann that are all going to be coaches, next level certified coaches, and they can coach on the same systems and practices and philosophies and beliefs and core values that I do. And um, that, that can be revenue for NLU, and then they get a piece of that. And so that's a, a way to scale. And so scalability is like, you know, doing an online course where you don't have to be there in order to teach type of thing. Um, and, and a lot of people try to start with scale. Do not do that. If you try to start with scale, I mean, most people are like selling courses on how to sell courses. And it's like, listen, you had a 20 year journey to build an audience before you sold that course, the three quick tips to be a millionaire in four hours a week. You know, it's like, God, that's such crap, right? So, anyways, <laughs> well, Ellen, don't you... fall for that stuff. <laughs> Go ahead. <clears throat> Excuse me, Alan. You know, I, I want to tell you, thank you, thank you for for sharing your wisdom, your insights today. It has been such an enlightening conversation, and I'm sure our listeners have gained valuable knowledge and self improvement and, and personal growth. And you know, I guess before we before we wrap up here, I just want to know: Do you have any final thoughts or key takeaways you'd like to leave our audience with? Uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me. This was awesome. Um, it was really, really cool to unpack some of this stuff in an energy that feels very, uh, aligned and, um, I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. The, 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 the final thoughts would be in addition to everything I've already shared, what would be a good, good ending? What I wish I really understood earlier uh, so I wrote a blog once, and it was built on this framework that was pretty simple. It was a triangle. The bottom left is consciousness, which is just awareness. You know, learning how things work and why they work that way. Learning how you work. Learning why you work that way. Learning how other people work. Why they work that way. Learning how the world works. Why it works that way. So consciousness, number one. Number two is capabilities. This is skills. Effective communication is something I've been working on for so many years. That's a skill that I've developed. So, so consciousness, capabilities. And then the third one is capital. People tend to be overly focused on capital. Um, it is important. It is important. But uh, in the center of that triad is choices. If you have level 10 consciousness level 10 capabilities and level 10 capital you're going to have so many choices you know emilia and i were booking a trip for next weekend and you know she's sitting there saying like this hotel room is a little too much and we don't go on trips that often and i work six days a week every week and honestly sunday is a lot of work as well and i just said sweetheart just just do it do it we have the capital I don't want us to skimp constantly on the things that really matter. Like the, the hotel is going to have good Wi-Fi, you know, it's going to be a beautiful room. And there was a time in my life where I already told you guys at the beginning, I grew up very, uh, very well off and then very broke when my stepdad left. And I'm finally in a place again uh, where I feel very abundant again, because when I left corporate, 
I went all the way back to broke, completely broke. Debt, as a matter of fact. And now we're finally in a place again where where I feel abundant enough to actually go on a trip and, and book a suite for 425 bucks. And so it's a luxury and uh, never take it for granted. But if you focus on your consciousness, getting smarter every day, your your capabilities, getting better every day, and your capital, which is where you invest your money, how you make it, uh, you're going to have choices. And I think that ultimately that's what we all really want. All of us really want choices. We want to choose who we want to marry. We want to choose what we do for work. We want to choose where we go when we go on vacation. And we don't want to, we want to choose what car we want to drive. We want to choose what home we live in. We want to choose to put on the the, the lights uh, without worrying about the electric bill, that kind of thing. I think that we all want choices. And I think that if if I was ever taught how to get choices, I would have been much better off. And so, yeah, consciousness, capabilities, and capital is you buy choices and you earn choices, I should say. You don't buy choices, you earn choices. And um, if you make positive choices, you'll you'll have a, a higher probability of a better life uh, because a lot of my choices before my car accident were really, really poor. And um, there was a time when I was blaming everything outside of me instead of really my own poor choices. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And, you know, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and find out more about you, where where could they go to to do that? Yeah, so uh, my email is alan at nextleveluniverse.com. We tried to get Next Level University. And the guy is asking for way too much money. So we decided to do nextleveluniverse.com. So you can check out our website or you can email me A-L-A-N at nextleveluniverse.com, spelt just like it sounds. Um, if you do email me, though, please provide context because like all of us, I get a lot of spam emails. Uh, so just say, hey, I heard you on XYZ and, and I heard you talk about this and we can connect and I'd be happy to help any way I can. We have a lot of stuff that we can do. I also coach. So if you've ever been considering a coach and you resonated deeply with this, I can promise you this. You're not going to find a business coach who's more affordable uh, than me. And I, I I, mean that. I've done the market research. It is alarmingly affordable. Our listeners, um, I care about deeply. And so anyways, just reach out and we'll see. We'll jump on a free half hour. I'll see how things go. We'll see if it's a good fit. And you can also check out our website. We've got a book club, monthly meetups. We've got group coaching program that's also super affordable. Uh, we've got all kinds of cool stuff. We've got live events we do once a year. We, we're actually doing a retreat for the first time this year. So anyways, uh, the, the website or email me. And uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, very good. I'll make sure to to leave those links in the in the show notes as well. And, you know, we look forward to hearing more from you, you know, in the future. And until next time, this is the Proceedus Initiative. Stay inspired and keep striving to level up.